Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the NXT 2 but oh, review oh. of Adam Billboard from What Culture, joined by the Deadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamper and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2 but oh. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2 but oh, but also AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage, uh, as well as... <laughs> Premium live events. We also have uh, interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review NXT 2.0 just a few weeks away from Stand and Deliver. Uh, I've got a feeling that you two had a similar opinion on this show, Hamlet. What did you make of it? Trash. Absolutely <laughs> laugh- laughable trash but i say laughable maybe not funny enough and maybe that was why it felt such like trash we talked about this before one of the worst things that nxt 2.0 can do is dare to present itself as a credible wrestling show there were a couple of occasions on this show where it rudely tried to masquerade as a this chin stroking yeah check out the uh, the great action here on, uh, on nxt it's not that it's not what this is for like give us the garbage that we can enjoy give us your earnest crap your disgusting, perverted comedy. Like, there's stuff on here that is hideous, but it's the stuff that we've kind of, like, luxuriated in reviewing and taking the piss out of. Don't try and have that linked arm-in-arm with grid wrestling. Like, the two things, like, aren't even on... Like, don't exist on the same plane on this brand, and they have absolutely no right to. And this was a rubbish attempt to try and juggle both of those because they're in that mode where they've got a... They, they remember that they have to get serious sometimes because they've got a show to set up. We've seen this happen before. This is another pattern of how this show is booked, where there'll be a show in two weeks. They can't call them takeovers anymore, but that's what they want you to think of it. So all of a sudden, three or four of the characters that are normally a complete piss take have to get serious. But then the characters that aren't involved in the serious stuff are still piss takes. So it goes piss take serious, piss take serious, and you just your head's wobbling by the end. Silly load of rubbish. This is a rubbish episode of television. And if you look at the build for every single match, with the exception possibly of literally one on the stand and deliver card, it paints a picture of a terrible television show full stop. I know that certain matches over the last however many weeks have been getting praise. Um, I think even Dave has been hoying like four stars on some of them. And I've really enjoyed some matches individually too. But let's just go down. It's our stand deliver preview. Hopefully I won't have to actually do that podcast. <laughs> but look at every single match and it paints the picture of this brand being absolutely rubbish, right? It's headlined by Bron Breaker versus Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler got pinned in tag team matches when he's got a partner who could have taken the fall multiple times. <laughs> But in order, I guess, to inform the shock of him winning the title, they went full Russo and swerved you by having Ziggler pinned, Ziggler pinned, Ziggler pinned, and then he wins the friggin' title. And it's Dolph Ziggler. The guy's been stigmatized as a mid-card also ran for years and years and years, and in fact, years at this point. And uh, openly acknowledged he loses 99 out of 100 matches. Indeed. Thank you for, uh, for adding to that take, because that was another ridiculous thing they did. The... Build for the NXT title match at Stand and Liver has been absolutely piss poor. 
In addition to that, you've got the North American title match where the heel bravely, willingly puts the belt on the line mm-hmm. against multiple challengers. And he has no excuse if he has nothing to do with losing his title. And he will inevitably bitch about it in character as scripted if, in fact, he does. They're also running a loser's match. Mm -hmm. A loser's match at the end of this stupid decision by a heel whose function realistically is to almost get out of these scenarios, not willingly throwing himself into it. Let's get to the Dusty Cup and the tag team title matches. The men's tag team title match isn't between the tag team champions and the winners of the Dusty Cup because the winners of the Dusty Cup heels, I think, when they're not baby faces, depending on whether the fighting heels were attacked. MSK, the baby faces, just snuck in through the back door. <laughs> no obstacle, no struggle, all entitlement. The winner of the Dusty Cup Wasting so much time literally means nothing, and MSK are getting back to boot. That might be because that arsehole's back in the in the fans in the in the stands again, a cult leader. But regardless, the booking might have made it feel this way anyway. Go to the women on tonight's show. I'm skipping ahead. I don't care. They do a dusty cup when they've got no tag teams, and they do strange bedfellows tag teams. And they build the bonds between these tag teams with absolutely risible comedy segments. Go ape. None of this matters because you're not having a, a women's tag team title match at NXT Stand and Deliver. The reason, again, and this is even more of an indictment of this absolutely pathetic television show, is that the entire premise behind it, not just the booking, which is brain scrambling, as I've just laid out, mm-hmm. But the entire core philosophy of this is completely and utterly untenable. The idea was, as originally planned, that they were going to run Cora Jade and Mandy Rose. Now, this is my speculation. They've probably... Correct speculation, I will add. They've probably rushed and hadn't thought of a remotely logical means of correcting it. But they've probably realized, you know what, Cora Jade, and this is their fault, not hers, is nowhere near ready enough to work a feature-length ready match in front of, what, four or 5,000 people. Or ride a skateboard. Because this would be the better... I can't even tell what's the better idea. Either this was the plan all along and the Dusty Cup and my investment and time in it meant absolutely nothing, or they've realised, hang on, maybe putting acts, wrestlers, who've barely scratched the double figures of the matches they've worked in stadium... Sorry, arena shows is not a good idea at all. Then what's NXT 2.04? How do you not realise this before? Either the entire framework behind this brand is rubbish or it is booked like Vince Russo on purpose in advance. LA Knight versus Gunther, halfway reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway reasonable in terms of a build. Halfway reasonable. That's only because they did it last minute. Yeah. If they had more time, they'd have ruined it. What else were I missing on the show? I can't remember, but I I, I came in here because there was two things I genuinely really enjoyed on this show. uh, One of which... Uh, it gets means I can do a, an a impression, so you know that sort of a giveaway. But um, yeah, I, I can't I can't argue with everything you've said. It's absolutely spot. I say Baffling. this. I say this all the time with with your main roster or with with this. Right when it comes to premium live events, WWE seems to be constantly surprised by them. You know when they just like they finish a pay per view, finish a premium live event, and then the next week on the week on the show they go. Oh, bloody hell, it's TLC next month. Right, we better suddenly start doing tables, ladders, and chairs-related stuff. And it's like, we can sit in this office and go, should we do a podcast about what they should do at uh, SummerSlam or whatever? And they don't seem to realise. And like you say with Stand and Deliver, when you announce we're doing Stand and Deliver, do you not think, right, first thing on the docket, Dolph Ziggler, Brom Breaker, I completely agree with what you said. I do like the story of Bron Breaker regaining. I think it's a better story than a, a rubber match between, for example, between him and him and Champa. Oh, D'Angelo Champa is another match, of course. Um, and that's bang average. It's a build. And but okay, so you do that, like you say. Maybe don't present Dolph Ziggler as oh, I've just come down here because I can't buy a win on the main roster, but it seems pretty easy down here. Oh, it is. There we go. Um, and again, Bron Breaker, a brave but dumbass babyface champion. I'll fight in a triple threat where I don't have to get pinned to lose my title, right? But also, do you not then go from step one? Step two is surely women's title. 
And the fact that they've gone, uh, the skateboard girl. And then, yeah, like you say, we were talking about this before we came in there. Who's going to carry that match? Neither of them. Right, we should probably put Io Shirai because she's the best thing we've got down here. And Kaylee Ray, who's also excellent, by the way, in to carry this match. And I get the feeling that probably neither of them are leaving with the title. Well, probably not. It's just Mandy Rose. Obviously, they don't have the confidence in Cora Jade given they've booked this match. So the, the, the result is absolutely nailed on. And uh, how, like, titles in WWE don't mean anything. But even by their standards, that how do they not think? Are people going to take the women's tag team title seriously after this? They, were, they don't want them. They've won three matches <laughs> just to get them. And they're, ah, nah, they're, well, who cares about them? They're rubbish. And they were home alone last week, let's not forget. Well, I did for, I didn't have to watch it to forget it mercifully. Um, but I, I did come in here, and I generally think my demeanour is happy-go-lucky scamp when it comes to these podcasts. But there was something on this show, which we will get to, that infuriated me. And I feel like you're going to agree with this. So let's dive into it. And when we get to it, we will get to it. Uh, show opens, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams arrive and, and slag off everyone and say they're just here to watch who qualifies for the ladder match at Stand and Deliver. And they join commentary for the opening match, which is Solo Sokoa versus Roderick Strong. Uh, and the writing was on the wall halfway through this match where they started talking about Roderick Strong and NXT UK. And I thought, oh, you poor bastard, Roddy. Like... Yeah, you could tell that oh, he's been doing a lot of stuff in NXT UK and he maybe he's going to be doing stuff with the title down there. Oh, cool. So he's not going to be in this match because what well, you've told me that, so he's blatantly not going to win. So Roderick Strong does the great stuff that Roderick Strong can do, drops Sokoa off the top rope via his bloody throat, hits his brilliant backbreaker. That gets a near fall. They go back and forth, trading strikes. Uh Roderick Strong hits an Olympic slam to get a two-count as well. Santos Escobar comes down looking resplendent to just watch the match. Uh, Sokoa makes a comeback, hits a Samoan drop, gets a near fall, goes up top but gets crutched by Strong. He tries to superplex him, uh, but he eats an avalanche off the top. And then we get the splash from Sokoa. One, two, three. He qualifies uh, for the North American Championship ladder match at Stand and Deliver. Hamlet, what did you make of this opener? Very little because it made itself immune to analysis. This was like lump of grey trash pro wrestling, ultimately. I love Roderick Strong. I've like praised him at the hilt for being one of the better experienced talents that is like good at making people on this show. And I, I rate Sokoa as well, you know, in terms oh, yeah. of like the raw material raw material guys they've got on the show. He's one of my favourites and, and pretty much has been since he arrived. One of the few wrestlers on here, along with Breaker and a couple of others, where you kind of looking at Triple H side-eyed a little bit for sitting on and sleeping on guys for quite a while because he looks ready compared to a lot of the people on here. And yet these were, well, this was this whole thing. I'm, I'm going to take responsibility away from the wrestlers. This whole thing felt agented into oblivion. Absolutely do the three or four things in the exact order you're supposed to do them in so the commentators can get their NXT UK stuff in so you can get their, someone standing at the ramp, let's stare at them, let's wonder about implications, let's wonder about ramifications. The fact that it opened the show gave the sense, compared to, say, like a Dynamite opener, um, where it's there because there's less commercial intervention and there's a thrill to it all. There's a sort of inevitability about the opening slot on NXT 2.0. They don't, they don't look at that the same way. So the result never felt in doubt for that reason as well. And it was just impossible to plug in to the drama as a result. At, at a distance, I'm pleased Sokoa's in that match. Um Strong is perhaps a more logical choice in terms of needing somebody in there that can keep things threaded together. But there's probably, a, we're not talking about like, it's not a Cora Jade situation, not to keep like labouring on her and experience, but it's not a Cora Jade situation in a ladder match. They can probably do without him. So yeah, Sokoa offers a bit of spice in that match, but I couldn't feel anything for this. Just, I wasn't engaged. I wasn't entertained. I wasn't exhilarated. I wasn't drawn into a struggle. I wasn't sort of foaming at the mouth at this fight. It was just an incredibly basic professional wrestling match. As perfunctory as it gets, I felt nothing for it. And I was just genuinely bored, rigid watching it. Again, I can't not echo Hamlet's. Uh, you know, Ronald Strong's great. Oh, yeah. They're making him feel like he isn't great because the show's absolutely garbage. Yeah, they just take the, the really talented people. I get it. You want to improve the the, the younger guys or the developing guys. Go back guys. to the logo. Florida hasn't given a toss since May 2020. <laughs> Do the logo loop. I, don't, I shouldn't have to watch the logo loop on television. It's just the fact of them going, here's Roderick Strong, but we don't want to give you that. Like, I love Solo Sokoa. I'm not saying that Roddy should have beaten him here. I'm glad also that you said that because often I watch these shows, like I say, early in the morning. 
uh, not as early as you guys, but I watched them in early in the morning. And I think, am I just a bit tired? Not really asked by this match because again, I just it was just there for me. But like you say, I think in the way you've analysed it, that showcases why I felt that way. Um, anyway, let's get what get to what uh, NXT Dupo is all about because backstage, India and Persia are talking about a TMZ article with them necking on with their boys and the fact that. I don't know, I think a TikTok or something did 6.5 million views. And they say, oh, I like cock more. No, I like cock more. Uh, and I'm more famous for liking cock as a result of it. And uh, Persia Prata says, index is out and Ducia is in or something. And uh, Indy says, oh, well, yeah, well, my Dexter's going to beat Tony D'Angelo. And Persia says, well, maybe me and Duke Hudson are going to go out and watch. And this played into it. I'll dive straight into the match because it all comes together, basically. It was Thorny D'Angelo uh, versus Dexter Loomis. <laughs> uh, D'Angelo gets cocky early on. Obviously, Loomis comes in and does his thing. I've not missed Dexter Loomis in the ring. I oh, my God. Oh, my God. They spill outside uh, D'Angelo with a, a nice-looking trip to Loomis. Or not nice, the opposite of that, actually. He looked like it sucked for Loomis to take. But he gets tripped on the ring steps. Uh, anyway, fires back up. Cleans house, I think, after a break. Uh, Hartwell's just uh, creaming herself at ringside, basically. Uh, and Persia per- per- Parata and Duke Hudson mm-hmm. are, are just there because you know they're going to be involved in the finish. They both get knocked down. Duke bloody Hudson's cheer, you know, trying to motivate, I think fake motivate, basically, uh, and wind up Dexter Lumis. He's, he's banging on the ring. He's yelling from ringside. Uh, Tony's going for his uh, trusty goal boy. Uh, but Indy Hartwell gets there first and there's a pull and pull and, and Parata's involved and blah, blah, blah. Um, and basically, uh, Parata lets go of the, the full bar and D'Angelo spins round and clocks Loomis and the referee doesn't see it because he wasn't looking, basically. And that allows him to pin Dex Loomis and get the one, two, three. We'll talk about what Tony said post-match in a second, Sige. But, uh <laughs> Yeah. They kind of took the piss with the the referee can't throw out what he can't see. Mm. He literally ducked because a foreign object was about to whack him in the head. <laughs> yeah. So that was the stretch the premise of that very, very, very thin. Oh, my God. Dexter Loomis. It's easier to think of what you don't feel than what you do, which is nothing when Dexter Loomis is in the ring doing his heat spots as the serial killer babyface. My God. Is he NXT 2.0's Vladimir Kozlov? With a 9.5-inch cock? Yes. That's what he is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like his opponents are in danger. I don't feel any exhilaration. I don't feel like he's intimidating. I don't feel like he's really tough at brawling. I don't think that he's technically sound. I don't feel like the matches are the struggle. I don't feel like the Undertaker 1991 vibe where it's like there's not much action, but if anything, the kind of inertia helps the character a great deal. I feel nothing (laughs) for this ponderous, slow, formulaic... Usually when you have a formula, the five moves of doom, it's because it works. It's because it's reliable and it's less the five moves of doom and more just the framework of a professional wrestling match. This formula has never worked. You only do formulas because they work. Dexter Loomis is so painfully dull and he works nothing matches exclusively. And no offense to goddamn Tony D'Angelo, but he's Dexter Loomis with a better gimmick, realistically, in terms <laughs> yeah. of how he works. Just molasses slow. This crowd must be getting paid. Because they reacted quite this favorably. This is awesome. They chatted a few times. What an absolute bunch of knackers. Laughable chant. I heard that more than once on this show, and there was not a single thing that warranted it. Yeah, this was so boring in a way to reduce people calling it bad. Like, quite honestly, I think they need to apply that more to the women's division than the men's at this point, because often we're like being quite critical of a women's match because there's some terrifying bump or somebody with like very little experience is being asked to do like a 630 or something like that. I don't think this would be asked of a Dexter Loomis or a Tony D'Angelo because they know it would expose the both of them and potentially cause serious injury to both men. So they give them the boring mid-2000s Johnny Ace formula match instead 
where nobody can do out good, but as long as you've got just enough of the grasp of the basics one of these days, if you do it for like 15 years, somebody's going to, like somebody within the industry is going to call you a wrestler's wrestler. And Tony D'Angelo is going to do a heartfelt sit down where he's like, you know, when uh, Bradshaw said that to me, it meant a hell of a lot. <laughs> oh, God, I, hate, I, hate, I hate this, I hate them, I hate you. Like, yeah, impossible to feel anything. Whilst the distraction is this minging, like, the, the, the sort of the, the side hustle to this match is this ugly, like, now nah, the cock I'm riding is better than the cock you're riding storyline, which just is so risible at this point that it's almost, you can be ignorant towards it. They've normalized something that on week one or week two of this show, we just like be watching through our fingers. Mm. And I don't even think that's, that's just, that happens every other segment on NXT 2. Anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a bunch of complete losers squabbling over sex. One of them, I think it was Persia Pryor, said the phrase steamy smooch, I think mm. it was. I studied journalism nearly 20 years ago at university, and we would mock alliteration like that being used by the sun. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's little captions when MPs would be caught having romps and the like. You know, love and, rats. And this is what, like, love rats, <laughs> Darren Day, TV love rat, Darren Day. <laughs> like, they this is just normalized garbage now. You, you hear it, you're like, oh, two point, isn't it? Mm. Like, pathet- pathetic. Done by the sun. It's a rag. Uh, right. Anyway, we get a promo from uh, Tony D'Angelo next. He says, hey, hey, the Maso <laughs> Champa. You thought I was coming out last week to pay tribute? Nah. See, I said the hook and you took the bait. When I put you on your knees, you knew you were finished. The new dawn of NXT arrives at Stand and Deliver. And then Tommaso Ciampa's music plays and he jumps Tony D'Angelo and hits him with a very tail ending. Says he's going out on his terms. It's his final chapter in NXT and he's going to write his own fairy tale ending. Ah, hacks. (laughs) Yeah, nothing really to analyse here. I just wanted to do a Tony D'Angelo I know, I know. know. Yeah. Uh, Right. Ziggler and Rude are backstage. Rude doesn't want to talk about Champer. He talks about being a former NXT champion. He's hyping up his match with Baron Breaker. Uh, um, he says he brought NXT to a new height when he was there for, for months and months and what have you. Um, without him, NXT wouldn't have hit the heights it did. And Breaker wouldn't have gotten the opportunity that he did. And uh, Ziggler goes, leave some scraps for me after you finish with him. Uh, and Grayson Waller then talks about Stand and Deliver being the biggest show of the year, but only if he's on the marquee. Uh, two weeks ago, he was the last man standing. He's going to be the only man standing in Dallas. He's going to win the North American Championship. A-Kid standing in his way. Um, uh, A-Kid is one of the best guys coming out of the world, coming out in the, you know, emerging in a long time, but he's just not Grayson Waller. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we then got Fallon Henley uh, versus Electra Lopez. Uh, brief squash this effectively. Uh, Lopez jumps her, stomps her away against the ropes. Uh, she sends Henley flying and uh, she does that thing where she pulling her arms and got her feet in her back and stretching her out, basically. Uh, but of course, they got the rest of Legado del Fantasma there at ringside and Broggs and Johnson. So there's a brawl. That distraction allows Henley to get some shots in, uh, but Lopez just hits her with a blue thunder mob to get a rel- relatively straightforward squash victory at Hamlet. Yeah, this is going to sound ludicrous to some, but this was better and more effective than the opener and just about everything else on this show. This wasn't like amazing from an in-ring point of view, but we've just talked about matches where, you know, it's either so safe to protect guys because otherwise, you know, they're just going to do harm to each other or the work is so bland and characterless and flavorless that it feels like there's nothing happening. I, at very least, was only given three minutes to have to watch this and knew who both of these women were, like in terms of their style and their personas after the fact. I know that Electra Lopez is this dominant figure. I know that Fallon Henley is this up-and-comer hanging around with these couple of stupid losers on the outside, but they're game <laughs> and they're try. But like, it's really, really bit like, I would, com- the thing is, right, this is probably in around about one of the very best things on this show and what a pathetically low bar that is. And this is pretty much every single match on Dark and Dark Elevation. And like people don't watch those shows, people don't watch those shows because there's not really any need to. But you get that story told over and over and over and over again, and people say, "I but that's missable." And here's me saying this: in effect, was basically the most effective thing on this broadcast as a result. 
I, like I, almost nothing happens and yet like i just felt the need to be complimentary in contrast to so much other stuff uh shockingly competent by the usual standards of electra lopez and it, it yet again it's not her fault if she's not ready to be on television she's hardly going to say oh no i'm not ready to do that her cards would be marked but yeah broadly competent and that is because they did very little for a short amount of time uh, Drake Anthony's in the in the changing room and uh, keeps getting messages on his phone uh, and reveals that it's Joe Gacy. I didn't write, didn't write down what he said. I just creepy weirdo stuff basically. Uh, and uh, riles up Drake. Bloody leave me alone, will you? Um, and Zion Quinn's there and says, "Don't worry, I got your back." Cool. <laughs> I forget these people exist every single week until they do something on this television program. I remember their existence because it's right there in front of me. And then I go about my day without thinking of them again. <laughs> and like, just in case you forget the name, it's okay because the character will say it in a way that nobody would speak. Hey, Draco Anthony, you know what <laughs> Draco Anthony, that was his name. <laughs> Thanks, Iron Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu uh, get interviewed. Uh, Wendy's had too much orange soda. Uh, they talk about Dakota <laughs> Dusty Classic last year. And uh, Dakota says, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit crazy. I'm not sure if you've noticed. Uh, I was sceptical about teaming with her, but, you know, we're going to win the cup again. It, tonight is our night. I want to hold your breath, love. Uh, right. <laughs> then we got Brom Breaker versus Robert Roode. I quite enjoyed this one, I have to say. Uh, just, just... Big bombs towards the end, I think, is what, what won me over. Uh, Rude nails Breaker to start, but then Breaker's like, no, here's how you hit someone with a shoulder, pal. And he power, slums, power slams Rude, and they go to the floor. But, of course, Ziggler's out there to distract him to allow Rude to take control. Um, Breaker later on goes for a charge in the corner uh, where Rude is, but Ziggler pulls Rude out of the way, and so he connects with the post. Um, but the referee's seen this, so Ziggler gets kicked out. Uh, but Rude's taking control, control at this point, so he, he hits him with a sort of Steiner elbow drop and does some Steiner push-ups. To, it's, it's Steiner. I don't know why we haven't given him the name, but, you know, we can imply it. Um, Breaker goes for a sort of top-rope Frankensteiner gimmick, but uh, Rude fights back and hits him with a spine buster uh, for a near fall. Goes for a glorious DDT, uh, and the spear gets hit with a knee from Robert Rude. 
This time, though, he a second time, though, he manages to hit Robert Roode with a nice-looking spear, goes for that gorilla press, uh, but uh, Roode manages to get out of it and hit the glorious DDT. That gets a two-count as well as the spear. Uh, both of them took a little bit of time to cover, so they could have potentially won the match. Anyway, Roode goes to the middle rope and dives straight into Breaker's power slam for the one, two, three. And as Breaker is celebrating... Finally putting away Ziggler's henchman, who should pop out back on the uh, ramp. But of course, Dolph Ziggler to super kick Bron Breaker and stand over him saying that he uh, he's never going to be in his level. He turned his back on the wrong man and he will only be NXT champion when uh, Ziggler gives that up. And the, that's never going to happen because he's never going to beat him, basically. This was like reading a well-structured and well-argued academic essay. They did... <laughs> Bobby Roode did a theoretically on paper very good job with Bron Breaker in terms of how to conceal his flaws, how to wrestle a match that WWE demands around Bron Breaker. He worked the right body parts leading up to the right move with the well-timed cutoffs when Breaker got his... It's like you'd show this to a kid at wrestling school and say, this is how a WWE match plays out, learn it, do your own thing on top of it, obviously, because no one really wants to watch this, <laughs> but this is what it should be like. Yeah, it was extremely, extremely capital wrestling centre, this. It was hard. You, you can't poke too many holes in its execution. And again, like I'm going to go back to that Tony D'Angelo Bradshaw thing. You can just imagine um, Breaker on his own, the like network special in a few years' time, being like, oh, yeah, Bobby Roode, man, like, the stuff we did together, that brought me on so much. There's like one of the, an awful Twitter account in about a year's time. They were like, uh, guys, we're not talking enough about Bron Breaker versus Bobby Roode. And it's like, because oh, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched it again since it happened. Um, I, this is wrestling for the wrestlers rather than for the audience. And I hate, as a member of the audience and not a wrestler, I hate this idea that was, a, that was supposed to subscribe to both being as valid as the other. Mm. You say it's the Randy Orton thing over and over again. You say it wouldn't be wrestling for the audience, but this NXT 2.0 crowd would go wild for David Flair. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in the water in Florida? Like, what is going on? I'll, I'll say this to Breaker, right? One of the only merits um, of him going long, and like I know 15 minutes isn't like ages, but it's long enough for a character like him. Like, his conditioning's amazing because he's still got that like Goldberg quality fire up at the end, mm. and Goldberg could only do that after two minutes, even in his peak. So Breaker's becoming this complete guy they want him to be. It's just not the most fun one I want to watch. Mm. Uh, right, any bloody Hot Wheels big stage looking after Dexter Gaylord Loomis and uh, Persia walks in with Duke Bloody Hanson no. uh, and they say, oh, you you let go of the crowbar on purpose and it's your fault that he's got twatted on the head basically and uh, uh, she says, oh, don't blame me because your man can't do it. Duke can bloody do it inside, inside and outside the ring. What's that That's supposed to mean? Uh, drilling her pussy raw, I expect. Okay. This fires, <laughs> fires up Dexter. Uh, here's a sentence I never thought I'd say. This fires up Dexter. So he goes to his easel and uh, he starts doing a bit of a sketch. And uh, Indy says, oh, do you think you, do you think your man to, to Persia can, can beat anyone on this roster? And she goes, yeah, of course he bloody keen. And then uh, it's turned around to reveal it's a picture that Dexter's drawn of Gunter. And... Uh, Dexter Loomis knows he's so useless. Like he's not going to put himself forward for the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, and he says, uh, he accepts, he's drawn a picture of, uh, he's drawn a picture of Seth Rollins with the WrestleMania logo and Seth's gone, actually, now you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Persia accepts on, uh, on Duke's behalf. I did like Duke's line of, how did he draw it that fast? Because obviously it was quite a complicated photo, that he, a photo, a picture that he'd drawn or whatever. But yes, it sets up Gunter versus Duke Hudson for later, which, uh, I'll say that match woke me up, but we'll get to that. But uh, anything you want to say about this, Amphlet? <laughs> impromptu, impromptu WWE match orchestrated not by authority figure, but by wrestler drawing another wrestler. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> I t- t- to echo my esteemed colleagues' regular take in this sort of thing, what would have gone on in that slot had, uh, had, had Dexter Loomis not picked up his pens? What were they going to do? I think Tiffany Stratton was scheduled to um, 69 someone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, right, let's move on to, uh, like your analysis earlier, Hamlet, but this was ob- objectively the best moment on the show. We go to Chase University, baby. It's the best place in the world. Bodie Hayward's there. <laughs> it's the best place in the world. 
Bodie Hayward's there. He's got an essay that he's written to the class on fortitude. And he talks about Bob Wagner uh, challenging the university's fortitude and hitting him with a cheap shot and what have you. And then, don't you bloody know it? Bloody Sarnelli on the front row. Sticks oh, that's his hand in the oh, and, God, uh, that asshole. Bodie says, what the hell, Sarnelli? You're just going to raise your hand while I'm pouring my heart out to the class and Mr. Chase? Just you wait until the bell rings. You dumb son of a bitch. I'm going to beat the ever-loving shit out of you. You fuck up my concentration. Right? And Chase goes, hey, Bodie, whoa, whoa, Bodie, where, where did this anger come from? Who told you how to speak this way? And Bodie says, well, I'm sorry to say this, Mr. Chase, but it was you. And there's a moment of wonderful reflection. And it's his face. There's so much going on with Andre Chase. And he says, Lord, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Sonelli, you shut the f*** up, you let him finish. And uh, Bodie gets fired up by this, and he basically promises to kill uh, Von Wagner next week. He's going to rip him limb from limb. He says, his ass is grass, and I'm the lawnmower. <laughs> Brilliant, fantastic. And uh, Andre Chase goes, and he starts effing and jeffing. He goes, whoa, 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 save it. Save it for next week. And he goes, that was a teachable moment. And he looks at bloody Sarnelli and goes, you dumbass. Dumbass. Oh, this was so good. That's incredible. Chase University rules. No f***ing notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Oh, the, from, God, from talk about highs and lows. From that to the moment that I want to talk to you about. A-Kid versus Grayson Bloody Waller. Now, A-Kid was introduced last week, beating Kushida in like a really a match that should have had more time considering who it is, but of course they're not. So... A-Kid initially gets showcased, springboard Hurricane Rana, an arm drag, drop kick, another Hurricane Rana, such grace and bloody Waller. Waller goes outside, does that cool sort of dive-in, rolling stunner thing, cut-up thing that he does. Uh, but A-Kid brilliantly just jumps into a choke instead that gets a nice reaction. But that gets reversed into a suplex. And then again, he goes outside, rolling stunner for the one, two, three. Right. I like the move. I think it looks good. And, and I get why they did this with Grayson Waller, but this match went like three minutes. I'm going to get progressively more angry here, so I'm going to try and hand over to you before I start going full Andre Chase, basically. So Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, they're at ringside, and they get on their mic and they say, well, yeah, there you go, There's Grayson Bloody Waller's in the match. But next week, we're going to have a match with all the losers, all the losers, so Roddy Strong, Kevin Grams, and A-Kid uh, in a triple threat next week, and the, the, final, the winner of that will be the final person added to the match. Uh, and Trick Williams says he's going to get with A-Kid's mom or something like that. But the bit, A-Kid kicks him in the head, rolls to the outside and does the, I'm going to get the belt gesture. And I was like, you literally just lost in three minutes. The, the, the dichotomy of all this is bollocks. I'm, 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 I know I'm preaching to the choir here, Sid. Oh, yeah, this, this programme sucks. This company completely sucks. Um, there was one bit, which is damning, in a three-minute match where they each got totally lost about who was reversing a move on the outside and who was meant to put the other back in the ring. I don't know what the hell happened. And that was in three minutes. I've seen several A-Kid matches, one of which was absolutely world-class and one of the greatest years in wrestling history, and it still stood out. And I haven't seen him botching a single one of them. Possibly thinking Grayson Waller's not as good as they think he is, but he's taller, so he gets to be in the match. <laughs> I gets three minutes. He does some cool stuff, but he gets three minutes. Instantly stigmatized as a loser, but then he, the, the, the crime, absolute crime, that he doesn't know that he's just been beaten in three minutes and he's a loser who gets a little consolation prize and he gets a little big head about it when he's meant to be a baby face. I, oh my God, absolutely dire. All of this sucks so goddamn much. There's good news for you though later on. Mm, yeah, I mean, I was I was hoping for this. I was the other. I said I'm not. I never hope for these. Well, all the losers can play, maybe still get into it. I think it's a, it's about as smart as oh, you can't get on WrestleMania storylines. But that's it was my only holdout because Cameron Grimes was never going to beat Santos Escobar. Pamphlet. It's just, you've said it there, the WrestleMania thing, it's just Hayes and Williams going full Pierce and DeVille, isn't it? It's like, well, we're going to have this thing, right, where I'm willing to take my title on as everybody in the ladder match, and then some people lose. It's like, right, you get one more go. You can have <laughs> one more, like, it's not remotely established why they would want that, or who has given them the authority to make this happen. It's like, you don't even need to, I'm not, this is not an onion where you need to peel back loads and loads and loads of layers. It's the very first detail of the storyline doesn't stack up doesn't hold up it reminds me of that bit in uh uh 
uh, in Peep Show where he's going to get married and he goes, right, okay, well, if I'm going to get married, heads, heads will get married, tails will run away from her forever. <laughs> heads. And he goes, best of three? It's like, it's like well, uh, <laughs> if you're going to make that decision, you might as well just do it all. Anyway, so anyway, uh, we got what did we get next? Oh, yeah, the star of the show, Van Wagner. Uh, he's backstage. They're watching some footage from a, I think, WWE.com exclusive that no one's watched. Of them having some sort of meeting last week, didn't I? I don't remember this happening last week. Watch it last week. Yeah, I I don't remember this being on the show last week, uh, and I'd remember Jacket Time and Von Wagner stuff. Um, So I don't know. Something happened, and they don't ask me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But uh, yeah, Robert Stone's furious, and Von Wagner gets some talking time, so that's good. He says one thing at a time. Body next week, and then we move on. <laughs> and then some woman walks up and asks Robert Stone if she can talk business. But I have no idea who she was uh, or what no, was going I've on. Got, I was absolutely bemused. What think of the casual fan? Yeah. You know, <laughs> nothing to do anything with the casual fan, right? Obviously, they don't. What would the casual fan think of this stranger? <laughs> I hate everyone and everything about professional wrestling <laughs> for literally half of the week. Any, anything to add, Hamlet? Nah, of course not. Just watched it. Uh, then we get the grizzled young veterans. Uh, the saving grace of this is they gave Zach Gibson ten seconds on the mic. That's. I mean, I'm really clutching at straws here for this team. Poor bastards. I love them so much. Uh, I did like the fact that they came out and went. You can't suggest that we were the ones to jump you and then proceed to jump the Creed brothers to start their match. That was good stuff. Uh, and they work over Julius Creed uh, and he fights back and puts the stretch muffler on Zach Gibson. But again, it's uh, it's Grizzly Young Veterans using their wiles from, I don't know, stealing letters from posties or something that they did recently, whatever their training was. They have ne- they now know how to really, you know, utilise the two-on-one advantage. They keep not giving Brutus Creed off the apron, basically. Um but eventually, uh, it doesn't work, of course. They go for the doomsday device, but uh, Julius dodges it, charges at the corner. Drake jumps off the top, but tweaks his knee, landing. Turns around, gets chop blocked. Brutus gets the hot tag, and he just murks Drake, uh, Drake and uh, hits him. Uh, they hit him with the, the rack drop, I think it was, and then that sliding, diving clothesline for the, uh, for the three-count pamphlet. Oh, I, I'm starting to sell my stock in the Creed Brothers as well, you know. Um, the matches are just not any different anymore. And that was what their appeal was. Like, it didn't matter that they kind of look like shit, to be honest. Like, the the gear and that isn't very cool, because the whole point of the Diamond Mine is supposed to be this rough-around-the-edges shooter group. It's bad enough that we don't know what they're, if they're baby faces or the heels. And that wasn't made any clearer by the post-match angle here either, or the, mm. the who done it in general. Like, you know, when it's being perpetrated on a on a baby face, that's one thing, but we're not really sure if that's what the Creed brothers and Diamond Mind are. Um, and that keeps it, maybe that's what it is that keeps impacting the matches because I'm just not feeling it from them anymore in the way that I was. The Grizzly Young Vets were just warm bodies, let's be honest. I know that gives you no pleasure to hear, but that's what they are at this point. It's what they felt here, regardless of like Zach Gibson like trying to run his mouth, not just when he was on a promo, but just in general. Um, and Wade Barrett clearly trying to do a favour for his mates, which always feels sad when a commentator is trying to work mm-hmm. overtime, just trying to help somebody that's blatantly not the the profile performer. Um, I I just felt so little for any of this. And the Creed brothers are at the point now where they're getting inserted into big title matches where you're supposed to have... What you're supposed to have imagined that has happened in the Creed brothers' brief lives as characters is they started out as like rough around the edges, raw rookies, and they've like immediately established credibility and then made themselves kind of undeniable until the point where they're in title contention. If anything, I kind of feel like they've gone backwards and now we're still at the point where they're getting title matches. I I have no real thoughts on this match at all, if I'm being perfectly honest. Not one thought. Do you have a thought on what happened afterwards? Because the camera, uh, the, the Tron changes and there's a camera in Diamond Mine's locker room. It's getting trashed. I think they've spray painted the words cry or something on the wall. I can't remember exactly what it said. Um, it's getting trashed basically. And then texts start appearing on the screen. How? Uh, saying, <laughs> uh, you can't work out who we are. You can't find us. So uh, just enjoy the view. Uh, I don't know who it could be. Two randoms that I've probably never met or I've met, like encountered before or seen. Um, I, I did think, who is it? So maybe they've got us. 
But if I was <laughs> not getting paid to watch this and I just flicked across and saw it, I'd be like, who is it? And I'm like, I'll, I'll never come back. <laughs> I would never watch this if I didn't have to, ever. Could it be Hamlet? Or is it just is it just MSK, obviously? MSK, obviously, isn't it? What is uh what is what is T Bar doing at the moment? He's uh he's he's on main event, isn't he's, he? He's working with Via on main event, I think. He's working via, yeah. MSK is. Uh, right. Then we got Duke Bloody Hudson versus Gunther. Um, and uh, oh, he's, in, he's in incredible shape. I do feel bad because he's one of the few people I look at and go, oh, I wish I hadn't got in better shape. Yeah, it's, it's surreal. This, um, he you know, he, he's transitioning sort of into obviously more of a boring bastard WWE. I was going to say, yeah, WWE style performer, but yes, that's read boring bastard basically. There was some good stuff here. Uh, he just chucks Hudson around, slams him all over the, sh- over the place, kicks him in the head, European uppercut. Uh, there's a charge that Hudson cuts off with an, with an elbow um, and he gets some strikes in on Gunther and Gunther's like, right, we're doing this, are we? And there was one chop here that just echoed brilliantly and there was a flash of a second where I was like, there he is, there's Walter, there's, that's the guy. And then he went back into being Gunther, unfortunately. We did get a holy shh chant from the crowd. Um, Gunther goes for a sleeper. Hudson manages to get out of it, hits a big boot uh, and a German suplex. But as he goes to the razor's edge, Gunther's escapes, clotheslines him, more hard chops, just destroying the chest of Duke Bloody Hudson, kicks him in the head, and the powerbomb gets the three. There were like two or three moments, as you said, where like the the Walter Gunther thing is going to be the comparison now. You saw three at best glimpses of Walter, one of which was just like incredible. I love the sound of it, obviously. Gunther sucks. Gunther did this bit, and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The genius behind the Walter act is that he got so many wrestlers over in defeat when he was on his sort of post NWA champion run, if you like, mm. where he was just killing everyone, becoming a myth of a man in Europe before he signed to WWE. And the trick was so great. Simply have him chop the sh out of people, control them so well that a hope spot felt like this amazing. How on earth are you doing that against him? Watching Gunther get foiled by like... The poker player. Yeah, like the leapfrog. But no, I'm going to swing back against the ropes and make you look like a mug. Like within two minutes of what was broadly a 50-50 match. It's just, it's crap. Gunther sucks. Yeah, Gunther gets lost in one of them headlock drop-down tackle things that happens in every single match, and Walter never would. He wouldn't even entertain the, the prospect of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, like, Duke Hudson's out here is that he's shattered from all the full sex he's been having these last mm. few weeks. So even a loss to Gunther here doesn't necessarily feel like as, I don't know as damaging as it would be, like what he's done here, he's not defied death as he would have done having just tried to go toe-to-toe with Walter. He's just lost a standard television match against a guy. And like the thing is as well, the first feud they give it, like the match might be fine, but like as you're about to talk about next, the first feud here, when he already feels marginalised in his own group now, thanks to a name change and a stylistic change, he's feeling marginalised as one of the top guys on 2.0 because he's getting absolutely outclassed by his standing deliver opponent. For uh, Duke Bloody Hudson, the twat is sacred. Uh, LA Knight. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Gunther goes a pro after the match. Uh, he's the most dominant competitor in NXT. Uh, he's been overlooked. And he says, oh, bloody LA Knight. Um, you know, you, you, your mouth gets you match. Oh, no, sorry. He, sorry, just mentioning LA Knight name. Uh, brings out the superstar. Yeah. Yeah. But before he can get out of full, let me talk to you. Uh, God just starts to just shut up and he says, Oh, you're everything wrong with this sport today. Here's where he says, Uh, you know, talking all the time, no skill. Uh, your mouth gets him into gets you into matches, but you lack the skill to win it. Um, and Knight responds by saying he's going to knock his head off his dad bod or whatever it is. Never interrupt me again. And uh, he says, Normally, I do use my words to set up a match, but I'm going to go a different route this time. Um, since you told me to shut up, so he just clocks. Gunther, but of course the rest of Imperium are there, the better half, 
or better two thirds of Imperium there. So they start kicking the crap out of him because there's a numbers advantage. But who should make the save? But babyface heroes, MSK, Sige, and they clear the ring and, and knock Gunther over the top rope as well. The post match was kind of electrifying. Mm. Like, generally, when MSK came in, it was like a whirlwind <laughs> of activity. I thought this was really cool. And then the MSK were getting booed, and I got really depressed. Um, even though they're kind of lame and boring. So, yeah, maybe I'm a hypocrite. LA Knight continues to rule. I continue to not take him that seriously, but at the same time, he's can talk the line legs of a donkey, like his class. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, LA Knight versus Gunther is uh a choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh bollocks. Just looking then, I just had a brainwave back when they revealed the turn. I was seeing if uh, 420 was gonna be on a what Tuesday night, so Wednesday, ruined it, ruined the whole thing. Because of the Stoner oh, Riddle gimmicks thing. It's just uh, 420, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Ablett, <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a big blazer. What did you make of all this? <laughs> I've grown accustomed to LA Knight's face. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a race. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any of it because there's just a big cloud in front of my screen. From from da- Herb. Um <laughs> Yeah, I've I've really grown accustomed to LA Knight's face. He on it brings me genuine joy when he arrives on the scene. Um despite, despite the promise of nothing or very little. Like it's it's all he's all talk. Um, but they think that's a baby face trait. You know, good for him. Like it's it's it's, it's crossed over from being a cult thing. You see LA Knight crop up a lot. There was a thing that did the rounds the other day. It was like uh, yeah, four, like Twitter, four best promos in the game today. And the, like the bastard that had done the tweet, had, I apologise if this is a listener, by the way, now, but I just thought, what, what the hell are you playing at? Like MJF was the first panel. CM Punk was the last panel. Roman Reigns was the third panel. The second panel was Edge. What? So it's like, well, you you don't know who the five best promos are today if you put an Edge in this tweet. So what are you doing? And anyway, it gets numbers and people are sharing that. Ellie Knight was in loads of replies and quote tweets. Absolutely loads. Like, if nothing else, people are probably not watching NXT 2.0, but they're checking out the LA Knight bit or they're looking on YouTube or they're like, he's getting clipped for Twitter or whatever. Credit to him. I think they can do and that. And the thing is, they'll, they'll never watch his matches. They'll never ever invest beyond something that makes them laugh. You know, when they get a phrase and they don't really understand it, but they go and put it on a t shirt. You know, like a God mode one. It's really weird, the Roman Reigns one, because God mode implies you're in the mode of a God. Correct? Yeah. 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 And they've done it, but it's God mode, but God spells like good good on a different level or something. Greatness on a different level. Yeah. But yeah, but the comp do the <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I get that, but you know what I mean? So I can hear that someone in the, like Zach will be there backstage going, Yeah, the problem with LA Knight is he's all man from no trousers, right? They'll go, That's that's right, he wrestles in trunks. So he is all man from no trousers, and they'll put on a fucking t-shirt for him. Uh, anyway, right. Uh, next up, we got something a little bit surreal. It was Cameron Grimes. Um, <laughs> because it's like you could do all this bollocks like we say and then they have this really nice emotional (laughs) promo from Grimes he talks about they show him losing last week and then he talks about his dad and his involvement in this business and uh, how much it meant to him and how he he, he passed away relatively quickly after Cameron Grimes signed for for NXT and uh, you know he wanted to do something in his memory and he wanted to win a title in his memory and he said next week's the biggest match of his career. It's his final chance, chance at the uh, final spot in the North American title match. And his dad had uh, taught him that there's different types of people. And next week, he's going to be the one that does whatever it takes. I, I don't mean to take the piss there, Hamlet, because it's it's just so, it's such a weird gear change on this show. Well, No, but hang on. I think we're missing something quite key here as well. Did his late father, when he was younger, said to him, Cameron, when you grow older... I think you should be a video editor because you're so prodigious. You can knock this together in 15 minutes between that. <laughs> match and like, how, oh, yeah. how did this, how did this happen? <laughs> like the match wasn't even a thing. The last chance match wasn't a thing until two matches ago. And Grimes is like raced on uh, like Adobe and be like, right, let's get this together. How many pictures have I got saved on my phone and my dad? Like get me in a suit jacket dead quick. It's the pivot they want to make me. Right. You as a Cameron Grimes fan should be buzzing because this is a tell that at some point he's going to win. Yeah, exactly. He's going to win the whole. He's going to win the whole thing. He's probably going to win this title. He's probably going to win the title. Like Cameron Road, we all said like Cameron Brown would probably be quite a nice losing challenger for Bron Breaker, but I think it goes beyond that. But how's he? Um, 
This is not Kyle O'Reilly saying, like, on that promo once, he had a week to make a video to pay tribute to the Undisputed Era. This is Cameron Grimes knocking this together. In 50, like, Phil Chambers couldn't do this so quick. <laughs> I, while well, completely agree with that point, but this is genuinely quite touching. I thought mm. Cameron Grimes giving you dimension to his character, obviously because it's a very real thing that, unfortunately, he's experienced. It was a tell that he's, he has to win it. Like, he absolutely has to win the whole thing now. And he deserves it for being a shining light on a brand that has absolutely declined and transformed entirely since he arrived on it. Um, but yeah, this was just really good babyface work and likely because it wasn't much of a work, unfortunately. You say he has to win it, Sidgwick. Do you remember when uh, Kurt Angle dedicated his Royal Rumble win to literally dying troops and then didn't win the Rumble, so they pretty much had to turn him heel as a result? I think it was 2004. Yeah. Right? It was like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of favourites in this Rumble. You know, you've got guys going coast to coast. You've got John Cena, blah, blah, blah. but I'm dedicating this one to the troops out there in Afghanistan and Iraq and all over the world fighting this country. And then he lost. That's like, <laughs> right then. I wasn't so maybe when, when Grimes loses, it's like for a, a heel turn because he's tried everything and it's none of his work. Well, I was a little bit perturbed by the use of whatever it takes. Yes. A little bit. Mm. Mm. I need to beat you, Armello. I need to beat you more than you can imagine. <laughs> right, main event time is... Oh, my God. Dusty Cup final. Uh, Dakota Kai and Wendy Jew versus Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai. Uh, Ray and Chu start off chopping each other. Chu gets a near fall off a roll-up. Uh, Kai comes in and just kicks Ray in the face. Shirai comes in, takes over. She goes to 619 Dakota Kai, but Chu puts a pillow up on the outside. All right, that was good stuff. I like that. Uh, Kai gets sent to the outside. Uh, Kaylee Ray does this just bullet. It, it, I don't think it's too hard what it said. It was Darby Allen esque. Kaylee Ray's dives through the uh, middle and bottom rope onto Wendy Chu. Uh, Shirai does something similar to Kai takes to a break. When we come back in, Kaylee Ray's in trouble. Uh, oh, there was a, I don't know when this was, but I wanted to mention it. Uh, the It's now called the nap time elbow drop. I don't know if that's been a case before, but I love the fact it's officially got a name, that elbow drop where um, uh, Wendy Chu effectively does the CM Punk go to sleep signal whilst hitting an elbow drop. Anyway, we come back from the break. Kaylee Ray's in trouble, uh, gets Big, big, huge crash off the top. Shirai comes in, makes the save, though, and they all start hitting big moves. Ray hits a uh, top rope dive, flippy thing. Uh, Kai kicks Ray down, um, though, and Chu managed to hit the top rope Vader bomb. But uh, as she's getting pinned, Shirai drop kicks Kai into the pile um, and then butterfly backbreakers Dakota Kai. Then they hit the, uh, Kaylee Ray hits the KLR bomb and that hits, then then that sets up the moons over moonsault from Eo uh, Shirai onto Chu. One, two, three, Eo Shirai and Kaylee Ray win the Dusty Cup. Let's separate this out because there's a lot to deal with afterwards. What did you make of the final, Sige? They grafted and they elevated an absolutely rotten tournament, zero stakes, where they have to get their bollocks in mid-match, and I think they can all emerge from it with a degree of credit and mm. an actual bit of, like, you know, with a hell's head high, if you like, to somehow transform into a soccer Saturday pundit. For some <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. You wake up at 4 a.m.? So yeah. It'll be worth it tomorrow. I will get up at two. Yeah. <laughs> I've made my thoughts clear on the absolutely chronically horrendous booking in the aftermath that will completely overshadow, like some really hard work. Like pointless, just phone it in. Just phone it the hell in. Like how much the lack of importance placed on these women's tag team titles is an absolute booking catastrophe. They've wasted the last because if you recall. This tournament took ages to get going because we're setting up these teams because they didn't have any. Mm -hmm. Think about mm -hmm. every single segment. Think about the expense. I don't even toss it's Vince McMahon's money and he's a cock. But just the expense of going to the the, the go ape and the on location filming to craft together that relationship. The, the the how much the writers were paid to do all this. How many bumps were taken, which is the most important thing to arrive at this a comedy adjacent match that got really good a bit towards the end. But to just not matter at all. Fritter away. Fritter. I was going to drop that earlier when you were having your rant because that's exactly how I felt about it all. What a waste of goddamn time. And again, 
there's two things that have potentially happened. Either of them are terrible. Mm. Either they're doing terrible Vince Russo booking on purpose, thinking it's good, or they've realized at the last minute, oh, the entire premise of NXT 2.0 is utterly untenable. Yeah, anything you want to say about the match, Hamlet, before I delve into what happened afterwards? Well, it's just a really worthy final of a tournament that was anything but. Mm. You know, the sort of the, the kind of match where like, it wasn't like this, this ripper or anything. It wasn't on a par with like some of the better tournament finals over the last few years, but it was far superior to anything else within the tournament. Um, I thought it was just, like timed out really nice as well. There was not an ounce of fat on this mm. thing. I think that's like something that they're all too often uh, teasing to doing. So I was glad that they kind of kept this to the point. And like, the better team did win, but the weaker team, by not disgracing themselves, come out of this with a bit of credibility as well. Yeah. Like I know they were, I know they're invisible after the fact, but you, you weren't left just to completely completely ignore the losers here, and they can go on. Like Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu have kind of come out of this whole thing. A bit of as Sidgwick has kind of outlined there, a big mess of a tournament. They've come out with this with a modicum of credibility, and obviously it's all depending on what they do next to them, which could be nout. But like I don't think Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai have done too bad out of this either. No, it could be considered even though they're losers and that should matter, but it's not going to. They could be easily inserted as, as tag team challengers, tag team title challengers going forward after this. Uh, but anyway, Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray have won. The confetti comes down. They're going to stand and deliver over WrestleMania weekend. And who knows, beforehand, maybe Kaylee Ray will pop back over to Europe, because it's only where it applies, and order herself some delicious beers from Top Rope Brewing. We've got a big WrestleMania pack uh, that you can order. If you're in Europe, again, apologies to our American listeners, uh, 12 delicious Delicious beers, including our very own brilliantly named clickbait thumbnail, a 5.1% YPA uh, that pairs beautifully with The Fiend versus Goldberg, apparently. Uh, you can get that along with 11 other delicious beers, 45 quid, an absolute bargain uh, for craft beer, if you know your stuff. Uh, and you can get them delivered before WrestleMania arrives. If you order it now at topropebrewing.com, if you enter the code, here's why. And you get free shipping as well. And then Kaylee Ray will no doubt fly back to America after she's done that to uh, get involved with what happened next. Because we had Toxic Attraction watching from their lounge or whatever it is. Um, and then they come down and Mandy Rose gets on the mic and says, oh, everyone stay where you are. The champ's got something to say. She congratulates EO and, and Kaylee Ray uh, for winning the cup. She says Wendy and Dakota blew it, but congrats regardless. Uh, but if you think you're beating Gigi Dolene and JC Jane, you are sadly mistaken. And uh, Katie Ray gets on the mic and says, you know what, Mandy, we agree. We had one thing in mind when we started this tournament, destroy toxic attraction. And the best way to do that is take away what's important to the leader. Now, EO says Mandy had claimed that she would fight any woman for that title. And Ray effectively says here that they are parlaying their Dusty Cup win, which gives them a tag team title match or a title match, basically, into a different title. They don't care about the women's tag titles. They are going to make the NXT Women's Championship match a fatal four-way. So Togas Attraction, not happy about this. They attack the uh, winners of the Dusty Cup, but then Cora Jaden comes in to make the save and uh, gets rid of Toxic Attraction. And the three challenges for Mandy Rose's title stand tall at the end of this show. Hamlet, what a confusing ending. Yeah, um, laughable. WWE nonsense. Is Gigi Dolin injured? She rolled out of the ring before the brawl and they've done away with the tag team getting a tag title shot. Is that like Possibly. is that what they're hiding? She was nowhere near the action here. So I just that was that's me trying to find an excuse beyond just the obvious that Cedric pointed out at the start of this, which is that they probably don't have faith in Cora Jade and Mandy Rose or indeed any of the singles matches beyond Io Shirai. Mm. That, I don't want to make an excuse. I just, it was weird that she rolled out of the brawl immediately. And I mm. wonder if that's why they're delaying a, a, a tag title match, perhaps. But nonetheless, this is not a solution to that specific problem. Just say Gigi Dolin's injured and book women in roles that they're capable of performing to without embarrassing the wrestlers or making a mockery of your show. Anything else to add to we saw no, at the I, beginning? I, no, I just want to have my, uh, my dinner. Okay, fair enough. Uh, right, let us know your thoughts <laughs> on NXT. On Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflitz at... 
Michael Humphrey. Follow Michael Sidgwick. M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today to preview AW Dynamite and talk about expectations versus reality for WrestleMania 38. But for now, uh, this has been the NXT Tupper O review. My thanks to the Dally Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.